when we're not obedient to God, when we're not committed to Him, when we're not being where we need to be with Him, when we allow our hearts to harden. Listen, when we allow our hearts to harden against God, we become insensitive to His leadership. Let's look at a few things this morning, please, as we look on the subject of hardening not your heart. I, um, that uh, last song that the band played, I thought was, was beautiful, wasn't it? Can I have an amen out there somewhere? It was beautiful. The whole song service was wonderful, and thank you very much, and thank you for that special. Thank you very much for that. But John said that, um, that we're all broken people. Y'all believe that? Every one of us are broken people. And whether it's tragedy that happens in our life or even travail when it comes into our life, we've got to come to the place to where we're so committed to Jesus that we can say those words, it is well, it is well with my soul. Because Cornerstone... When, when hard things happen, and it's not if it's going to happen, but it's when it's going to happen, um, when, we, when we don't have that attitude of commitment to Jesus Christ, and, when we don't, and if we can't allow ourselves to fall into his hands of grace, you know what happens is our hearts become hardened. Our hearts become hardened to what Jesus would have us to be and to do, but it, it, also, it also hardens us to the point where sometimes we're insensitive to the things of God. And so look with me at Hebrews chapter 3 this morning as we look on this subject of hardening not our hearts, and uh, Hebrews chapter 3. And as we look at Hebrews, we're going through Hebrews on Wednesday nights, and we want to invite everyone um, Wednesday nights. It's our, it's our night just to go treasure hunting, if you will. And boy, we, we love God's Word, and I know I love God's Word. And so on Wednesday nights, what we do is we go treasure Treasure hunting, and there's no better treasure to be, be, be to be found than when you dig in the Word of God. And so, and so, we want to invite you to join us on Wednesday nights for those for those um, expository sermons, if you will, and just digging into God's Word and finding some beautiful and wonderful truths. But I want us to turn our attention to Hebrews chapter three, and we understand that, and we've seen this before. But from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is full of warning signs. Everybody got it? The Bible is full of warning signs, and they are meant by God to detour men from his inevitable wrath if they continue in their course of sin. And so we see here in Hebrews chapter 3, this is a warning. And as we come again to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 19, we have another one of these warnings to the unredeemed and to the non-committed people. And this is a warning to those who are on a sinful course. Follow me. This is for those who are on a sinful course and their instruction is to turn to Jesus Christ before it's too late. Do you see it? Okay. Now go with me, please. Hebrews chapter 3, look at it with me. Let's start in verse 7. Now the, the writer of Hebrews... And we don't know who the earthly author is, but we know the Holy Spirit authored this. Everybody say amen. And just a little background on the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to a community of Hebrews. 
We do know this by reading the book of Hebrews that uh, they were visited by the first apostles or prophets of the time. And we, we understand that in this time, a little bit of time has gone forward. They're probably in the second to third generation of people. But we know that the apostles had come to this very same community and they preached the word of God to these people. Now, when they come, just like any time the Word of God is preached, but in the book of Hebrews, we have to understand that it's written to three groups of people. And if you've been here on Wednesday nights, you all know this. First of all, uh, it's written to the committed, to the ones who've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and is, in, is committed in following Christ. It's also, there's a second group of people that we see the book of Hebrews written to, and it's the one who has it intellectually, but they don't have it in their heart, meaning that they're non-committed. And then, of course, there's that third group of people, and that's the ones who just don't get it. They just don't care. And so we're looking at this morning in, in this interpretation of these portion of texts is that this is for those people who are, A, not committed. They got it here, but they don't have it here. And it's also for those who just don't get it at all. Do we get that? All right. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Look at it. Now, it's interesting here, and I want you to get this. Verses 7 through 11 is a direct quote from Psalms chapter 95. Now, some of you in your Bibles, it's all capital letters. And whenever you see capital letters, that means that it's being, that's being used from an Old Testament source, okay? And so this comes from Psalms chapter 95. And what's interesting is this, is that David is saying these words to his people at the time, but he borrows this very same text, if you will, from Deuteronomy, where Moses was, had instructed the people of Israel in their wandering time. And so David, we're quoting from Psalms 95, David borrowed it from Moses, and here we are. Look at it with me this morning. He says, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. In the King James, it has that word provocation or rebellion. In other words, when people are in rebellion, they don't listen to God. Look at verse 9. Where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. And as I swore in the wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And then look at verse 12. Here's the peril of unbelief. He says, take heed or take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, again, that sin, that rebellion, um, that non-obedience. Look at verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, today, is your, to, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses and with whom... Was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter 
because of what? Unbelief. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for scripture. We thank you for the word of God that we have. And, and so, Lord, this, this, this text applies to all of us. And even as believers, um, even as believers, Lord, we can we can get to a place, Father, that we understand that we that when we when we when we don't heed to your word, when we don't listen to your word, when we don't heed to the Bible or the leading of the Holy Spirit, that that our hearts can harden. And Father, we we understand too this morning that there are some here that's heard the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over and over and over and over again, and they've got it in their head, but they don't have it in their heart because now their hearts are hardened and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And God, we also understand this morning that there's that group of people that maybe has never heard the gospel. And so I pray this morning that if that's the case, Lord, that they'll be sensitive and that they'll act upon the word of God and your leading and calling of their life to be committed to you this morning. We praise you for all that you, we praise you for all that you are and all that you're going to be in our life. And we praise you for all the blessings that we have. Thank you for, for blessing uh, all of us and all of our missionaries across this world. I just pray for your greatest blessing upon us all. Lead us, Lord, please please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, take a look at a couple of things this morning. And number one, I want us to see, first of all, that this is a warning. It's a warning. And it's, 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 as, it's, it's just like church, like if there is a fire, and if you lived in a 10-story building, and your floor caught on fire, and the, and the, and the firemen come, and they're, and they're on their bullhorns, and they're, and they're hollering out to you, um, jump, because they put in a net, maybe on the, the fifth floor, roof line or something, there's a net. And so the firemen are saying, save your life, jump all, jump all out your window into this net. And the, but but you're on this tenth floor, and you just can't quite trust these firemen what they're saying, and and but they're hollering to you, jump, jump, jump! If you're going to save your life, jump! And they're emphatic, and they're emphatic about it. But you don't do it because you, instead you go back into your apartment and you get those possessions that mean so much to you, and you try to try to go out and down the stairs, and you get and you get consumed by fire. So I want us to look at this text like this. Listen to me, that this is the Holy Spirit to some of us saying this morning, jump, get into a life of commitment to Jesus Christ. If you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, this, this warning, this text in Hebrews is the Holy Spirit saying, jump, jump, jump to him that can take care of you. Do you see it? This is the warning. This is what's pushing behind this text. This is a warning for these people that they need to trust in Jesus Christ. Notice the illustration here. This is a direct quote again from Psalms chapter 95 because David, again, hang on to this. He's quoting about Moses in Psalms chapter 95. Now, Psalms chapter 95 reflects on Israel's disobedience and rejection of Moses in the Exodus wanderings. Now, let me just give you some background on that. So David's quoting Psalms 95, which goes back to the time when the, when the Hebrews was in Egypt. Now, they were in Egypt, in Egypt for 400 years, 400 years of making brick. They were in bondage. They had no freedom. And so we know what God did. He called a man named Moses. Moses went, of course, he was already in Egypt. And he went to Pharaoh. You remember what happened? The plagues come. These fantastic, incredible plagues come. Miracle after miracle after miracle. God took step by step by step 
to get these Israelites out of Egypt. And then we know that they come to the Red Sea. Remember that? And God opened up the Red Sea and all of Israel marched right through that thing on dry land. And old Pharaoh, he walked up to the Red Sea and he says, hmm, I think I'll do that. And as soon as him and all of his army got into it, what happened? It closed in on them. They got into the other side of the Red Sea, and, and, and they was making their way to the Jordan, and God did miracles after miracles after miracles, showing that, hey, I'm your God. You can trust me. They get to the Jordan River, and they had to go cross, and then, of course, they sent some spies over, and they saw all these big, tall people, these giants of the land. They come back, and God says, go over there and take that land. It's yours. And the people, in unbelief, basically said, we can't do it, God. You're going to have to show us something else. That's kind of what the story of Psalms chapter 95 and Exodus talks about, and then also in Deuteronomy. But that's the classic illustration of unbelief in the face of overwhelming evidence. Do you get it? And this is why this illustration is put here, because the Hebrews would have understood that. Now, follow me on this. This is a classic illustration of unbelief. In face of overwhelming evidences, I mean, they had all the evidence, didn't they, church? I mean, they had the, the, the plagues. They had, they had all those wonderful miracles that God had done. And all they had to do was just commit themselves to faith in what God was going to do with them. But guess what? They didn't. God had revealed himself. They knew how he had revealed himself. They knew the truth of his revelation. They saw the disclosure of it, and yet they did not believe. That's the illustration, verses 7 through through 11 here. They would not commit themselves to faith in God. And so they, as a result, they had to wander and wander and wander and wander for 39 years in a circle in this part of land, in this part of the land, in that same little area because, listen, of their unbelief. This is a warning. David used it in Psalms 95, and God uses it here. Don't harden your hearts to God. Look at verse 7. Let's look at this. Look at verse 7. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit saith today... And underline that word today. Would you do that real quick in your Bibles? Underline that word today. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now, what does today mean? What does today mean? Um, Well, he uses it in verse 7. He uses it in verse 13. He uses it in verse 15. And if you also go over to chapter 4, verse 17, he uses that same word there today. He uses it repeatedly, the word today. What is it, so this word, what does this word today mean? Now, today doesn't necessarily mean a 24-hour period, but instead this word today means a day of grace. It means it's the word of urgency. This word today is the word of urgency. Um, it may mean less than 24 hours. It may mean now. Listen to me. It may mean this very moment. But today speaks of urgency because today we hear God's word. Because today, you know, there's still that opportunity to commit. And because today may go away in the next 30 minutes for some of you. Today may go away in the next 24-hour period. But today, that word today that's being used here is a term of urgency. Listen to me, everybody, please. 
I love you as your pastor. And I just, you know, I always say this, don't walk out of here the same way you walked in. And I, and I say that because today it's, it's a time of urgency for, for some of us because we've heard things. We've, we, we, we know we should be doing some, some things. But what we do is we, we allow our hearts to get hardened. And then we're, we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. In that, and, and today may never come if you don't take action upon it today. Can I have an amen? Can you give the Lord a hand? Today is the day. It's an, it's a, it's a, the word means urgency. So whatever, whatever it is that, that maybe God's doing with you and about you, today is that day. You know, I, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says this. It says, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I helped thee. It says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, God always says now is the day of salvation. Um, John, was it you that brought up D.L. Moody a while ago? Yeah, D.L. Moody. And, and or No, you brought the Chicago Fire, didn't you? That's Chicago Fire. Well, and I, I, just, I was just thinking about that, that um, um, D.L. Moody, would, 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 he was famous, you know, in his great revivals, and he was in Chicago. And, and, but he would, he would always say, he would always say, he would preach and he'd say, now, now you think about this and you go home and then you come back tomorrow and make a decision. Well, he, he did that often. And, and he said that one night while he was doing a revival in Chicago. And then, of course, the church dismissed. And that night, the, the great fire of Chicago happened. And the next day, they had lost over half the people of that congregation. And he said, you know, I'll never say that again, to go home and think about it and make a decision tomorrow. Because listen to me, today is the day. And that word today, I just want you to get it. That word today doesn't mean that necessarily a 24-hour period. But listen, it means a time, it means urgency, that we all need to make a decision while the Holy Spirit is still working on our hearts. Because when we're not obedient, what happens is, is our hearts get hardened. Look at the next part of this verse, and I want us to see something here, please. Harden not your hearts, but today hear his voice. You see... Salvation and obedience is a now thing. Salvation and obedience is a now thing. You may not have it tomorrow, just as in the day of Moses and David and today, men and women had and have the privilege, we have it, of hearing the word of God, hearing God's voice, reading the word of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to work. And notice that it says, if you will, what? Hear. Here, hearing God is a matter of your own will, but as all, but as always, there is that possibility of hardening the heart as Israel did and seeing those sad results. So, so, so in verse 9, he says, harden not your hearts as they did in the day of provocation or rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness. You know, hardening your heart is also a matter of personal action. In 1 Timothy, I think in chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, it says the heart of a man or the conscience of a man can become seared as with a hot iron like scar tissue. Let me read that to you again. I want us to camp here just for a minute. Listen to this. It says the heart of a man or the conscience of a man can become seared as with a hot iron, iron like scar tissue. Listen, Cornerstone, you can harden yourself against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. 
it's possible to harden yourself to the point of where you can't and no longer hear the word of God. People do it all the time. And it's such a sad thing. And, and, and again, I think it's people, again, I think it's people um, that, that's come to church all their lives and they get it here, but they never get it here. And then their hearts get so seared that they can't hear it anymore. And then I think there's others that come but don't give the opportunity to really hear and make that decision right here. But then I think there's Christians that they've got it here and they've got it here, but because, but because, but because maybe the word of God or what's expected of them doesn't line up with their emotions or doesn't line up with their experience, then they say, well, that's not for me. And what happens is, is that their hearts become hardened. Now, everybody, I need your attention here, and, and I'm fixing to, to show you something, and because the Greek language is a, is a, is a, is a very complex language, and, and as you know, um, um, you know um, in the Greek, there's word pictures. It's a very, it's a very um, um, picturistic language. And so don't do it yet, okay? But, but I just want to say this, that um, if you have a weak stomach, Allison, if you faint when you see scary stuff, then uh, <laughs> we got a call from the doctor one day, or not from the doctor, from the school, and she's reading a book, and there was something that was in there, and, and it made her faint. And so don't look at the picture that I'm fixing to show, okay? All right, so keep your head down. And if you're the same way as Allison, please don't look. But this is, but I want you to see this because when we look at this word seared in the Greek, because, because if, if we don't act and commit upon as a Holy Spirit, the Bible says that our hearts, our conscience can become seared to the Holy Spirit. I want you to see what this word seared, the picture of this, the word picture of this word seared is. And so I want to show you this picture and it's an ugly picture, and but I want you to see that when we don't obey God's word, when we when we are not committed as we should, this this is the word picture of that of that Greek word seared, and and I hope this resonates with you because everybody listen to me. There's things that we don't want to do. There's things that 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 our experience doesn't doesn't think that is right to do when it's God's word, and and, and when the Holy Spirit's speaking to us about something and 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 we don't act upon it, I want us to see what happens. This is what happens to a heart. This is what God sees. This is why we must be obedient to God's word, because when we don't, then our hearts become hardened to God. They become callous to God. We become insensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we understand what Romans chapter one and, and, and Romans chapter one and Romans chapter two says is that the person who doesn't respond, God's punishment is on that person, right? So. The word seared, here's a word picture of it. If you again, it's a picture of someone who's gotten third degree burns. And that word seared is 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 the word picture of someone who gets burned to the point that scar tissue is built up. And when scar tissue is built up, that scar tissue is 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 very insensitive to that of the touch and of the feel. 
And the word seared means that, 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 that we become insensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Okay, take it off, please. We don't need to keep looking at it. But I want that to resonate with you, that when we're not obedient to God, when we're not committed to him, when we're not being where we need to be with him, when we allow our hearts to harden, listen, when we allow our hearts to harden against God, we become insensitive to his leadership. And it's emphatic, it's important that we listen to him as he leads us. And so says the Spirit of God, don't harden your hearts. And look at this next slide. You know the truth, respond to it so your heart doesn't harden. You know the truth, respond to it. Now notice verse 9. Notice verse 9, it says, it says, Don't do it as in the provocation or rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. Now, this word provocation and trial or testing, these are important words. And they take us immediately right back to a record we find in Exodus chapter 17. So go to Exodus chapter 17 real quick with me, okay? Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. What's that? That the Holy Spirit talking or what? Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. And, and, and this is their record of their wandering in the wilderness and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. So, so just look up for a minute. It's with a capital S, this word sin, but it could be also a, a, a lowercase s. But anyways, after their journeys, according to the commandments of the Lord, encamped in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Now, so you get it. Um, they're out there, and they're camping, and there's no water. Now, remember, God has done miracles and miracles and miracles and miracles. Everybody say amen. So they're camping, they're thirsty, there's no water. Then look what it says. Wherefore, the people did, did complain in Moses, with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why do you murmur with me? Why are you, why are you complaining to me? He says, wherefore do you, why, he says, why are you tempting God? In other words, what are you tempting God for? In other words, he's saying God's provided us for us all along. Why are you tempting? Why are you testing God? Now, this is, this, is, this is what they kept on doing. They never would believe God, so they kept saying, God, just do some more things. Does that sound familiar? You know, as, as Christians, as, you know, we see God doing this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and, this, and then something doesn't go right, and we say, God, <laughs> I need you to do this. Now, follow me on this, because this, this was their sin. This was their rebellion. And basically what God is saying here, he's saying, God is saying, I'm sick and tired of being tested and tried by you. And so he says, why are you putting God? And Moses says, why are you putting God to the test? Look at verse 3. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, why hast thou brought us up out of Egypt? Can you imagine that? They were in bondage, making bricks, no freedom for 400 years. God did all these miracles, and now they don't have a little bit of water 
for this little little bit of time period. And now they're saying to Moses, what little faith, huh? Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Now look at it. And Moses cried unto the Lord, (laughs) bunch of gripers, right? Right? And Moses cried unto the Lord saying, what should I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And, here's, and, and here it is. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thy hand and go over. Behold, I'll stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, it and, the, and the people shall drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So, in other words, he hit the rock, the water gushed out. Now watch this. He called the name of the place Massah, which means trial or tested, and Meribah, which means striving. Let's finish reading it. Because of the striving of the children of Israel and because they tested the Lord. So those two words, they called the place. They tested the Lord saying, now underline this, underline this. Everybody catch back up to me. Look at the question that they asked. Is the Lord among us, amongst us or not? Is the Lord amongst us or not? That's the stupidest thing in the world, isn't it? I mean, miracle after miracle after miracle after revelation after revelation after revelation, and then and then and then the, the, the rod strikes and the water gushes out and they get their drink, and then they ask the question, is the Lord amongst us or not? God has just released them from Egypt by some fantastic miracles, by some fantastic plagues. He opened the Red Sea. Manna was brought to him every morning, every day. You know, the whole cloud thing and the whole tabernacle, all of these things God has done for them. And they ask, is God amongst us? Ridiculous. Look at the next screen. But that's the character of unbelief. When you always have to see more, when you always have to have more, when you always doubt God, when you always doubt what's going on, and when a little bit of trouble comes to your life, or when a little bit of travail comes to your life, or when a little bit of whatever comes to your life, and you, and you go out of control, that's unbelief. And when there's unbelief, We want to see from this text that our hearts can get hardened to the things of God. Listen up. Our hearts can get hardened to the things of God. That's unbelief. And these are the very characteristics of unbelief. And as a result, our hearts can get hardened and get black and ugly and filthy to where we're insensitive to anything that God is wanting to do. Do you see it? Do you see it? The character of unbelief. God has to do just one more thing, God, then I'll do it. That's unbelief. You don't need more proof about whether God is real or whether Jesus Christ is real. You need to come to the place in your life where you hate your sin, where you hate your sin enough to commit yourselves to Jesus Christ. You need to come to a place in your life where you're sick and tired of just doing it for yourself, and you need to do it for him. And believe 
Just like Israel was supposed to go into the promised land and go whoop some giant butt, but instead they said, nope, God, you're going to have to do one more thing for us. And God said, no, I'm done. And he sent them for 39 years until that last person died, and then he brought the next generation in. Ladies and gentlemen, do we get it? Do we understand that when we have a heart that doesn't believe, when we have a, when we, our hearts get hard to the things of God, and God will turn us over to our reprobate self, and destruction happens. That's not Ron Fox's word. That's God's word. Is, is God, God's will is that all men should not perish, but all have everlasting life. That's what God's word says. But we have that part of our life in saying, okay, I've got to make a decision, and I'm going to commit myself to him. Hey, listen to me. If you're here this morning, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I, I want you to know that today, it might be the only time left for you to call upon him to be your Lord and Savior, because after today, you may be so callous that you'll never have that opportunity again because your heart is too insensitive to receive the things from God. Christian, maybe you got it here real good, but you lost it somewhere down here. Before that heart gets so insensitive, you need to do something about it today, not tomorrow, today, because today we only have today. That's the time of grace that we have. Amen, everybody? Just just one more thing, and we're going to close. The next slide is, as long as you keep putting God to the test, you're never going to know the truth. Listen, another principle from this is that as long as you keep putting God to the test, you're never going to know the truth. Your faith will never grow. Don't harden your hearts like the people did when they got thirsty. You have to trust him and know the truth. Look at verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. That's when their today was over. People, listen, and we're going to close. People, people may say, I can't believe. I've heard people say it. They say, I have one of those pragmatic minds. I have to see the facts. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Everybody lives by faith. Everybody lives by faith. Even the pragmatics out there, you even live by faith. Let me tell you how I know that. Today, we're going to go, and we're going to go to a restaurant. And by faith, we're going to sit down there and eat some food that we, we don't know who's making it. We don't know what it is, but we're going to sit there, and, and, and it's faith is we're going to think that we're eating a hamburger not made out of horse meat or armadillo meat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, when I, when I, when I come home from work and, and I come home and my wife cooks me a meal, <laughs> I don't go inspect it. I just eat what she tells me to eat. That's why I got that. So, so listen, we all live by faith. We all live by faith. And that's how God wants us to live. Not by unbelief, but by belief in that Jesus Christ is God. We need to live by faith, not by unbelief. 
we don't need any more evidence, Cornerstone. The evidence is in. The evidence is in. Jesus Christ is God himself. That's the evidence. The evidence is that Jesus Christ come and he died on this earth. He died for our sins and he has risen again and he is with the Father today. That is the facts and the evidence is in and he loves us and he cares for us and we know that his will is for none to perish but all of everlasting life. We know his blessings is great. We know his mercy is perfect. Evidence is in. We don't need any more. We just need to believe and stop the unbelief. Listen to what Solomon says. Listen to what Solomon said about this. Solomon said, um, he that being oft reproved, listen to it, he that being oft reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. To harden yourself against God is to depart from the living God and to bring upon yourself judgment without escape. That's what Solomon is saying. And so I say to you simply this, the Holy Spirit says today, today, it's urgent. It's urgent. It's urgent. Today, harden not your hearts to God because when we harden our hearts to God, when we don't commit, when we're not obedient, we become insensitive. And the next thing you know, we're so far out of God's will that um, nothing, maybe nothing will ever penetrate. Let me just say this. You know, after years of, of hardening, and each time it gets more hardened, but a lot of times there's just that little bit left that's sensitive, that's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And if that's what's happening, then respond to him today. Amen? Whatever it may be. Harden not your hearts to God. Be obedient. If you're here this morning and if you're not saved, if you don't know that you'll go to that you that you're in a personal relationship with God, that you'll go to heaven, you need to respond today. Don't let your hearts get hardened, please. Please. And and Christians, if God is calling you to do something, to be something, to to do something, or I, I don't know, and he's leading you something. Don't keep ignoring because you too, your hearts will be hardened. Maybe there's some besetting sin. Maybe there's something that you love more than (laughs) you should. And those things have to be dealt with because the more we ignore, the more our hearts get hardened. That's what we're saying this morning. Let's not be like Israel. Amen, everybody? They wandered for 39 years. and and, And those people, they died in the wilderness without ever seeing the promised land. Don't harden your hearts to God. Don't let your hearts be calloused with scar tissue. Let your hearts be soft to the things of the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God. Be committed to Him. Amen.